Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Snowstorm chaos dominates our broadcast tonight. An overwhelming winter storm dumping more than 30 centimeters of snow in some areas. The conditions causing mass cancellations at YVR. Dangerous driving conditions, ferry cancellations and power outages. We have team coverage for you once again tonight from the airport to the roads, both on the lower mainland and Vancouver Island and a look at the rest of the province. And we begin tonight at YVR where heavy snow snarled operations and for a time, no flights whatsoever were departing. The domino effect of that delay might be felt for days. Our Aaron MacArthur is live at YVR now with more on the fallout. Aaron. Yeah, out of luck and in a lot of cases out of pocket, passengers extremely frustrated right now. Almost no flights coming into YVR. Very few flights are getting out. And making matters worse, airlines and the airport doing a poor job of communicating any of this to the frustrated traveling public. The chaos started Monday night. Flights that were supposed to leave YVR didn't get much further than the taxiway. Baggage carts left spinning their wheels. Planes that were landing had no gate to park at. Passengers stuck on planes in some cases for hours. YVR is basically a parking lot right now. I'm 30 feet away from the terminal. We stayed on the tarmac for about seven and a half hours. And then they said that unfortunately due to weather conditions, we couldn't make it um, out. So we went back into the boarding gate and now we are here. As the day progressed, the lineups got worse. Passengers had no idea what they were supposed to do or who they were supposed to talk to. Text messages from airlines weren't coming, informing them of delays or cancellations. The departure board, nothing more than a best guess. YVR staff handing out coffee and snacks to people stuck in line, but little else. We've been waiting in the arrivals area to see about our luggage. Do we get it? Do we not get it? No one has told us a thing. Pilot and the stewardesses came out and said, hey, sorry, we're cancelled. And uh, waited about two hours in the line at Westjet here with a million other folks. And they said, sorry, we can't offer any recompensation here and no rebooking for the foreseeable future. And we'll try and get you sorted by early January. <laughs> YVR was busy on social media channels trying to give people updates. And in a statement saying, while a small number of flights have been able to depart, cancellations and delays will persist for the majority of scheduled flights. And while it isn't currently snowing, de-icing operations will continue to be necessary. The weather conditions improved significantly as the snow stopped and plows were able to scrape the runways. But the damage already done. Coming five days before Christmas, it's unclear when people will get to where they're going. Oh, I just feel so bad for all those people. Uh, you can sense their frustration, Aaron. Does it appear the situation is getting any better tonight? 
No, no, the situation is exactly the same now as it was this morning when we got to the airport. Uh, YVR still under what's known as a ground stop, so any new flights originating from, de from departure areas are not coming to Vancouver at all. Flights that were still in the air are able to land, but they're often parked on the tarmac waiting for a gate to appear. There was a Korean Airlines flight that was stuck there again for several hours. Uh, this will continue for several days, as we've mentioned. The problem tonight is that there are new people coming. There are flights, international flights, headed overseas tonight. Those people are here in line. The people from last night are still in line. This will be some situation for some time to come. So frustrating. All right, thanks a lot. That's Aaron MacArthur reporting from YVR. Well, the heavy snow came down on top of what remained from the weekend snowstorm, which only added to the challenges for those who had to leave their homes today. Kamal Karamali is live in Burnaby, where there were issues for both drivers and Kamal for those who thought they were doing the right thing to take transit. Sophie, a nightmare on the roads for drivers and public transit users. But I want to show you Highway 1 eastbound through Burnaby at this hour. The scene looking quite good for commuters. You can see more pavement than snow on the roads and very few vehicles. A lot of that has to do with the fact that many people chose to stay home today. Even before the weekend, snow had a chance to melt. Pretty unusual. This is the most snow I've seen here. Another storm roared in Monday night. But this. It's crazy. Stranding people at home behind a wall of powder. One night, it's too much. Yeah. It's too much. Some taking matters into their own hands, turning an ATV into a snowplow, while the city of Vancouver focused on only clearing priority roads. We're focused on those priority routes for emergency vehicles and transit vehicles first off. So. Uh, for residential streets, we don't do treatments on residential streets currently. On highways, crews moved like a well-oiled machine, but even they struggled to remove the compounded snow, the weekend dump turning pavement into packed ice. As the cars are sitting in the rush hour, they're, they're, they're melting some of that snow and it's refreezing as they're moving on. So it just makes it a lot more difficult to deal with. Lucky for them, most drivers heeded the advice to stay off the roads, making their job easier Tuesday. Instead, many choosing to take public transit, where a different kind of snowy hell awaited them. Skytrain delays, some for over an hour. Doors iced shut, long lineups for buses, some that never came. It's really bad. It's so cold and no announcement or nothing left over here that there won't be any buses. BC transit routes completely suspended in the central Fraser Valley, while TransLink buses in Metro Vancouver struggled up side streets, delaying or cancelling many routes. Once you get to a small hill, forget it, it's, you're done. Okay. Must get stuck. Reigniting the question, why doesn't TransLink switch to winter tires instead of the all-weather tires currently used by its fleet? It is also extremely uh, challenging, uh, uh, Camille, uh, to switch out the entire bus fleet's tires in winter. No other major transit agency uh, does this. 
Now the next step is to gear up for that massive snowfall expected for Thursday night. Plows and uh, uh, salt trucks say that they will be ready to go. The unknowns will remain on how many people choose to commute that day, how packed that snow and ice will be on the roads and how tough it is to remove that and whether public transit will be ready for the demand this time around. Back over to you. Well, let's hope so. Kamal Karmali reporting in Burnaby. Kamal, thank you. <laughs> And travelers hoping to get to or from Vancouver Island are also experiencing delays. Richard Zussman joins us live from Victoria with more on the cancellations. Richard. In Victoria, Chris, you feel very connected to Vancouver, just a 30-minute float plane away from harbor to harbor. But they warn you, when you move to Vancouver Island, there will be times when you're disconnected from the rest of the world. Today, one of those days. Vancouver Island shut off. We need to go home as soon as possible, right? We have family waiting over there. From the Okanagan, so we're going to get a hotel in Vancouver and just like at least get off the island today and then do the, the rest of the trip tomorrow. For much of Tuesday, there was almost no way on or off Vancouver Island. BC ferries docked, including connecting Victoria to Metro Vancouver with no sailings until 3 p.m. We have... Uh, food, we've got water, we have sleeping bags, um, shovels. Travelers missing medical appointments, family visits, and in this case, one of the only flights from YVR seemingly not impacted by the snow. We have flights from Vancouver to Barbados, so we want to make sure we make those flights. Um, I don't think there's a chance at a refund. The problem? Not enough staff to operate. So crews were having difficulties making their ways to the terminals, and I know customers were having difficulties as well. The province says they had crews out to keep roads operational, and the expectation is essential service organizations will support workers to ensure they get to work. Well, I think employers will look at uh, what can enhance uh, continuity, uh, what the province is doing to make sure that you're able to get to those destinations and use a different mode of travel, like a ferry or like the airport, uh, is to have 24-7 plowing services. Flow planes remaining on water much of the day and at Victoria International Airport by afternoon, a few flights taking off, but still a travel scramble. The first time I'm here in Canada and it's the first time I see so much snow. And I love the snow, but I don't like being like in this situation. If you paid for one of those reservations for a BC ferry that didn't make it, it will be in reimbursed. Right now, the ferries are largely running on time, and there's lots of room on the ferries on many of them because it's still hard to get there. An example, I actually had to run to this live hit because I got stuck in the snow. And I'll tell you, Sophie, Chris, my wife, not very <laughs> impressed with my driving skills. <laughs> Well, that, uh, it, it's tough on anybody out on those roads there, Richard. Uh, you get a pass tonight. Thanks very much. That's Richard Zussman reporting live. And I know her. She would be very vocal about it, too. At least you got your steps in, Richard. Well, despite its typical luck in avoiding the cold and snow, as you can see in Richard's story there, Vancouver Island, of course, did not escape this latest blast of winter. And while people were advised to stay off the roads, maintenance crews were out in full force today. Kylie Stanton joins us live in Victoria as well with more on that part of the story. It proved to be too much even for BC Transit and Canada Post, uh, Kylie.
Yeah, that's right, Sophie. You could um, probably add reporters to the list as well, but we are uh, powering through at this point. So much snow here in the greater Victoria region. I can confirm it is officially knee deep and uh, there is more on the way. Most are dealing with it one scoop at a time. We're getting a little old for the shovel end of it. While a lucky few are a bit more efficient. Oh yeah, this thing, it's unbelievable. It just, uh, I mean, 10, 15 minutes, we got the whole driveway done. But no matter what method is being used to clear the snow, everyone here can agree there's lots of it. Too much, actually. You can see the amount of accumulation of 33 centimeters that fell from five o'clock yesterday till this morning. MCOM services had its crews working around the clock. But keeping up with the storm proved impossible. Yeah, anywhere from four to six centimeters an hour, they, they were losing it because we have a lot of road to cover. The message was clear, stay home. Ready? These kids shutting down the street to drive that point home. Amazing. <laughs> it's fun to stop the cars and throw snowballs at them if they try and go up the hill giving crews a chance to catch up. Currently, we're continuing plowing those priority routes, attending to them, getting them back to bare pavement, and then we'll be able to shift our attention to secondary routes. So it's a very much a slow and steady wins the race kind of an approach. But some had no choice but to sit this one out. Tuesday morning, Canada Post issued a red service alert stating we are suspending delivery for the day and not sending our delivery agents or recalling them. And as of 6 a.m., BC Transit suspended all service in Greater Victoria. It did make an attempt to resume on major routes, but those buses were shut down a short time later for the remainder of the day. For customers who are looking to take transit over the next couple of days, um, we certainly appreciate your patience. And, and I'd advise checking bctransit.com prior to traveling. Um, and we are doing our best to get our service back up and running. And while the brunt of the storm has hit, Environment Canada warns another five centimeters of snow is on the way. At this point, that's nothing, even for the shovelers. Yeah, we can handle it. What the heck? And now you can see these uh, flakes are starting to fall. Temperatures are expected to hover below that zero mark overnight, so it's more than likely we'll be doing this all over again tomorrow. Chris, so well, hopefully we'll do it a little bit better. We'll uh, touch base with Christy Gordon for more details on that. Kylie, thank you. Definitely getting a lot of practice, aren't we? Well, we've seen the snow causing a lot of problems, but the cold is downright dangerous too. The latest on the deep freeze settling over parts of the province and a warning about wind chill next on the news hour. How one person is diving right into this winter weather coming up on the news hour. You guys still can't, you guys can't have this stuff. And the cold reality of life on the street. Desperate and dangerous attempts to stay warm coming up later. Right now, though, as Metro Vancouver braces for more snow, the rest of the province is dealing with dangerously frigid temperatures. Catherine Urquhart with more now on the multiple extreme cold warnings in place and concerns for some of the most vulnerable people. Bitter cold is now enveloping much of the B.C. interior. There's an extreme cold weather warning as temperatures plummet. In Cranbrook, it was minus 25. 
even colder at night. I'm not too happy with it. <laughs> I don't like it. It's Cranbrook though. Yeah. It's winter. What can you do? I'm not loving it, but things to do. Christmas is coming. Just got to bundle up, dress for the weather and get out there and get on with it. In anticipation, some bundled up just a little bit too much. We have multiple layers on, so I'm sweating under here. While most were able to handle the bone chilling temperatures, there's deep concern for those living on the street. We've uh, recently lost reportedly two people in, in the community uh, died to exposure. And uh, I'm afraid that number might, might climb. And so I made a call to action to our local municipality and to BC Housing and a couple other resource agencies to you know come together. In Williams Lake, it will be even icier. With wind chill factored in, Environment Canada says it will be about minus 41 degrees. Kamloops residents are bracing for minus 40 overnight with wind chill. Emergency cold weather shelters have more than 200 beds available. Our West Victoria Street are all full, uh, Yacht Club is full, and the emergency or the extreme weather shelter has been full since we opened on day one. Uh, so we've had 30 there and we've actually started to allow a few additional people in chairs as well just so that people don't have to be out in the cold. Vernon is another of so many cities being hit by the winter wallop. Hopefully it's not going to be too bad. This morning was a bit of a shock to wake up to it. For visitors from the East Coast, conditions were no big deal. We're from Newfoundland and Labrador. Are you used to this kind of snow? Oh, this is, this is a pittance. <laughs> but for others, this cold front is a bit much, and the end of it can't come soon enough. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now. Christy, it has been a chaotic day for so many people. What happens next? Well, so I want to highlight the fact that, you know, Kylie was mentioning five centimeters for Victoria. That really is just for the Victoria area. We could see flurries. There's a little bit falling here, but for the most part, the worst is over in terms of snowfall. We're not expecting any more accumulations. Really, the biggest concern is for tomorrow and tonight, I should say, with the wind chill. So here's a look. We've got extreme cold warnings in place for nearly the entire province. You can see Alberta as well. All of these areas highlighted in purple have the potential for wind chills down to minus 40 and it's not only tonight tomorrow morning but into Thursday morning as well as it is going to remain cold. I just want to give you a quick perspective of how cold for our region. So out through the Fraser Valley wind chills of minus 20 minus 25 and for our region for southern metro Vancouver as well wind chills of minus 20 bundle up tomorrow morning. Back to you. Sure. All right. Thanks for that, Christy. We'll check in with you a little bit later for a look ahead to uh, what's coming later this week. Amazing, isn't it? All right. Coming up on this program, the scandal over a cancelled wastewater project. A person who is given confidential information needs to protect that confidential information. How a lawsuit involving the mayor of Coquitlam could reveal why the contract went down the drain. Also tonight, adolescent girls accused of a shocking murder on the streets of Toronto. Good evening. Traffic is steady both ways at the Portman Bridge with the HOV lane closed eastbound for winter maintenance. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $10 million. Lotto Max, dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Centre.
The Metro Vancouver Board is alleging the Coquitlam mayor and city manager were somehow involved in a leak connected to a cancelled contract for a multi-million dollar wastewater plant. That sparked a lawsuit and as Himadagahi reports, the accusation involves a relative of the city manager who worked for the company. It reads like the plot of an espionage movie, only the allegations here are real and serious. In a 122-page notice of application, Metro Vancouver is alleging highly classified and confidential information was leaked into the wrong hands through an unlawful password breach of the mayor of Coquitlam, Richard Stewart. I've been following municipal politics for about 20 years now, and this is definitely different from anything else. The dispute is connected to the $1 billion North Shore Waste Treatment Plant and its original builder, Axiona. The Spanish firm was fired from the over-budget project before completion by Metro Vancouver. A timeline supporting the accusation is put forward in an affidavit by Metro Vancouver CAO Jerry Dobrovolny. January 18, 2022, the Metro Vancouver Board called a special closed meeting to discuss terminating Axiona's contract to build the wastewater treatment plant. Board members, including Coquitlam's Mayor Richard Stewart, had access by ID and password to a meeting report containing sensitive and confidential info. Two days later, Axiona's contract was terminated by Metro Vancouver with no knowledge the daughter of Peter Steblin, Coquitlam's city manager, had obtained access to the confidential information through Richard Stewart's ID and password. Later that year, Axiona sued Metro Vancouver for $250 million, alleging, among other things, wrongful termination of the project agreement. And it wasn't until May that Axiona admitted to its possession of Metro Vancouver's confidential information. Peter Sablin's daughter, Annika Calder, is named in the court documents. She was at the time an employee of Axiona. She now works for the provincial government and refused to comment on the case. This is a complicated, intricate bit of civil litigation at this point. There's many parties with many uh, allegations and counter-allegations. This is going to take some time and is going to take very good counsel work and uh, the attention of the courts to resolve. Global News reached out to Axiona and has not heard back. Metro Vancouver unwilling to comment because the dispute is before the courts. The mayor of Coquitlam is also being shielded from making any comments by city staff, who confirmed Peter Stablin is still employed as the city's chief administrative officer. Meanwhile, the RCMP does not confirm or deny any active investigation. None of the allegations have been tested in court. Imadagahi, Global News. A Vancouver City Councillor is defending his decision to wear a patch that some consider controversial. On December 17th, at an event in Gastown, Councillor Brian Montague was pictured wearing a jacket with a thin blue line patch on the sleeve. On social media, some criticized Montague for wearing it, calling it a symbol of white supremacy. Montague, who is a retired Vancouver police officer, refuted those claims, saying in part, it symbolizes a line of dedicated people who protect. It is a memorial to many of the friends and colleagues I have lost. It symbolizes courage and sacrifice. I earned the right to wear it. The history of this general civil goes back about 150 years 
is uh, an expression of power. And in this particular country, it's an expression of colonialism. And uh, we, need to, we, need, we need to not be using this as a symbol and pretending that it's something that it isn't. In a statement, the office of Vancouver Mayor Ken Sim says, we stand by Councillor Montague's choice to wear the patch. We condemn those who attempt to redefine or co-opt the thin blue line symbol for hatred or political purposes. Multiple police agencies have banned the thin blue line patch from their uniforms, including the RCMP and Victoria Police. A shocking story out of Toronto today where eight teenage girls are charged with second degree murder in the fatal stabbing of a 59-year-old man. The suspects are all between 13 and 16 years old. They allegedly swarmed and stabbed the man in downtown Toronto just after midnight Sunday. They were arrested near the crime scene shortly thereafter. The victim, who has yet to be identified, later died of his injuries in hospital. Police say three of the suspects are known to them. They also say the girls are from different parts of the city and only met each other recently on social media. We don't know how or why they met on that evening and why the destination was downtown Toronto. Uh, we, don't know, we don't know how long they've been acquainted together with each other, but I wouldn't describe them as a gang at this point. Police say the suspects were involved in another altercation earlier that night they're now appealing to anyone who might have interacted with the group to come forward to help with the investigation. The girls remain in custody. Their next court appearance is December 29th. Just ahead on the news hour, a vehicle graveyard. The stretch of highway that catches a lot of drivers off guard with dozens of cars now in the ditch. Also tonight, a tour of Vancouver's tent city and the dangerous ways people are trying to stay warm. Steady both ways at the Patello Bridge this evening with some slow traffic McBride through the Queen's Park stretch. Kermac Cares for Kids expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Centre. Well, you are looking at Highway 1 between Abbotsford and Chilliwack today. This stretch of road often becomes a gong show during snowstorms, and it was no different this time. A number of abandoned cars in the ditch. Depending on where you are, some stretches appear to be fairly clear, but it doesn't take long before you hit sections of compact snow, not to mention the wind picking it all up and creating near whiteout conditions in some areas. It goes without saying, you need to slow down and drive with caution in these conditions, or just stay home if you can. Mm -hmm. And of course, that is a big part of our top story today. The chaos as well at YVR caused by the snowstorm that slammed the province overnight. Our Aaron MacArthur is live in Richmond at YVR, where it's been challenging all day long. Aaron, a lot of people who've endured some pretty tough circumstances. How are things looking right now? Is there any recourse for these passengers? And what do you foresee in the days ahead? You want the long version or the short version? <laughs> Look, things here are not good. The people that got bumped off the flights last night are still here trying to rebook. There are new flights leaving tonight that are still on the board. People are here hoping to get out. But YVR is still in the midst of a ground stop. There are no new flights coming in. All the gates are full. Very few flights are getting out. It could be 
a day or more before even this line is sorted out. And the question has been asked, what rights do passengers have in a circumstance like this? And the answer is, is not many. This, the weather is considered an act of God and airlines are not required to compensate passengers in that circumstance. But airlines do have to complete a passenger's trip. And the longer the delay goes on, the more airlines are required to do. If a delay is three hours or more, passengers must be booked on the next available flight. But given that it's Christmas, there's not a lot of room on any flights. And some people were being told are, are booking into January already. If that delay goes out to 48 hours, then airlines are required to offer a refund or book alternative travel under any circumstances. And that could mean another airline's service as well. All of that might be for nothing because as we stand here right now, no flights or very few flights are leaving. Mm. A lot of frustrated people here tonight. What a nightmare for them. Hopefully they figure this out soon. Aaron, thank you. It has been almost five months since Vancouver's fire chief ordered a Vancouver encampment cleared out, citing a major safety hazard. Some of the tents on Hastings Street are gone, but many more remain, and the occupants are still taking huge risks to stay warm. Kristen Robinson reports. Do you want to go to Carnegie to get warm? Mm. Firefighters encouraging the most vulnerable to get inside. You can see some of the uh, damage uh, right here for a fire. As small fires spark new safety concerns along the Hastings encampment, which is down to about 100 tents from a height of over 200 during the summer. We have, you know, a bunch of combustibles who are lit on fire. We've got flames against buildings, you know, a couple feet high for people trying to stay warm. A little metal bowl that I pour my hand sanitizer in there and I put a bunch of other little stuff in there and I light that on fire and that keeps me warm for most of the night. Those staying on the streets here going to extreme lengths to beat the cold. You just like dump it and then you let it light it and it keeps you warm. Sarah and many others burning hand sanitizer to survive. How hard is it to and sleep so on the street right now? Freaking hard out here, man. I have watched a lot of my friends accidentally light their tents on fires and then next thing you know they got two and three degree burns on their hands, on their feet, on their face, on their arms, legs. There have been 35 tent fires along this stretch of Hastings since July 25th when the fire chief issued an order to clear the structures citing a catastrophic safety risk. Having any kind of fire fatalities or injuries is our biggest fear. She's so stubborn, she never wants to Captain Matthew Trudeau flagged down by a man who says his friend in this tent has severe pneumonia. Jody, how are you feeling? You want to go to the hospital? Are you sure? It's hard, you know, there's like, you know, four people who are just lying in there. But ultimately, you know, I can't force people to go into uh, a warm area. And it's pretty, it's heartbreaking, it's hard to see. Reducing fire risks, their main focus. Can't have it in there, guys. Because it'll explode if it's heated. This propane tank, one of dozens removed every day as crews try to ensure those living under miserable conditions are safe. It really sucks, <laughs> but uh, it could always be worse. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Well, pet owners are being reminded to keep animals healthy and safe during this cold snap. We do have the cardinal rule, hit the roof of your, or the hood of your car so that you do know if there's anything sleeping inside for the warmth, just so that you know if there's any cats in there or any type of wildlife or anything like that.
The Kelowna SPCA advising pet owners to take extra precautions to protect their animals. That includes shortening their walks and creating more indoor activities for the dogs that are hyperactive or have a lot of energy. But one of the most important protective measures involves the animal's paws. Not everybody uses pet-friendly salt, so you do want to make sure that when you're taking your dogs for a walk that you're putting the booties on their feet, or when you get home, you're making sure you're giving their pads a good wipe down and a scrub before you allow them to lick it at all. Um, don't let them eat too much of the snow as well. You don't know what toxins may be in the snow that they could ingest, including antifreeze, which is very toxic. The SPCA strongly recommends animals be kept indoors during this cold snap. Nothing Henry loves more than running around <laughs> in the snow. Kind of like my son William, too. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we're all struggling with that as pet owners. Mm -hmm. Coming up, what might be the best ever early Christmas gift? We thought it's a prank. How home for the holidays has a whole different meaning for this lucky family. But first, a brave swimmer makes a splash of sorts during the snowstorm. <laughs> Probably not much of a surprise. Sub-zero temperatures have sparked a record-breaking demand for electricity. BC Hydro set a new record yesterday evening for peak electricity use. Between 5 and 6 p.m., consumption reached 10,800 megawatts. The previous record was set last year, December 27th, when consumption hit 10,762 megawatts. With more freezing temperatures on the way, BC Hydro expects demand will stay high. To save money, customers are reminded to turn their heat down when sleeping or when they're not at home. Flannel sheets make a big difference. <laughs> I speak from experience. All right, let's check in with Christy now, who uh, has been out in that cold. And yes, the next round of uh, flurries we're expecting, Christy. Yeah, so for our region tonight, we're really, it's minor flurries. We're not expecting much in terms of accumulation. Maybe Victoria could see about five centimeters. So it's really not the snow that we're concerned about in the short term. It's more so the cold. I mean, the temperatures are already dropping and we're going to see significant wind chill pick up. Here's a look at the areas. Oh, I wanted, sorry, I forgot. I wanted to show you the numbers from this in terms of snowfall. Uh, the Malahat got the most at 37 centimeters. Victoria right behind at 36. Uh, in the lower mainland, the, the biggest number was in South Surrey at 35 centimeters. So substantial numbers, as you can see. And these were higher than what we anticipated for the area, but that can happen across the south coast again we have extreme cold warnings for a good chunk of the province so anywhere highlighted in purple have the potential of wind chills down to minus 40 throughout the day tomorrow and into thursday meanwhile the areas highlighted in the light blue arctic outflow warnings it includes metro vancouver fraser valley howe sound where we could see wind chills down to minus 30 although up towards whistler and the northern part of Howe sound we could see wind chills of minus 30. here's why we've got this ridge of high pressure that's going to sort of settle in across the interior and that's going to force that air out towards the coast and it's those winds gusting up to 60 kilometers an hour for southern metro vancouver fraser valley that are going to cause that wind chill not only that i'm going to i'm expecting blowing snow because the snow is so light and fluffy so we are expecting sunshine tomorrow but expect the roads to have reduced visibility because of those winds we could see power outages and we could see delays in ferries and the daytime highs tomorrow the regular temperature 
minus 10. So we're expecting that wind chill to stay right through Thursday morning. Thursday night, we have the potential for snowfall. That will linger into our Friday. So Friday's commute could be dicey. And then Friday night, we could see a warm-up. Still days away. We'll refine that as we get closer. But there's a chance this could wash away in time for our Christmas. But keep in mind, there's so much snow on the ground. Any rainfall could cause a slushy mess and could also cause problems on the roads. But if you're a hoping for a white Christmas, well, there's a chance we won't see that if the rainfall comes and the temperatures do warm up as what are in uh, is anticipated. Okay, back to you guys. I say just celebrate Christmas tonight. <laughs> Be perfect. <laughs> Thanks, Christy. Well, while some of us are digging out the heaps of white stuff, others are diving right on in. Take a look at 16-year-old Lucas Fong, a competitive swimmer with Simon Fraser Aquatics. Since there was too much snow to leave his house in Port Moody to go to swim practice, well, he's making the best of the situation. He's got the goggles on. He's going for some snow swimming instead. Probably not going to become an Olympic sport, but you never know. <clears throat> That's a gold medal winning performance right there in snow swimming. Way to go, Lucas. Well done. Very brave. All right, Squire is here now. What do you have coming up, Squire? Well, we will talk about the Canucks problems at home, but how about something good from a local hockey player? I want you to check out this brilliant play. Last night, North Vancouver's Connor Bedard for Team Canada getting ready for the World Juniors. Look at this pass. Behind the net, now flicks it back for the goal. That's why he'll be the number one pick in next year's draft. Could the Canucks get him? Well, if they keep losing, they'll have a chance. But you know their lottery luck, don't you? <laughs> and later on the news hour, prayers answered how an immigrant family is trading their two-bedroom apartment for something much, much better. All right, Squire, take it away. All right, it's Nils Hoaglander's 22nd birthday, but I'm sure he's had better birthdays than this one because tonight he's going to play for the Abbotsford Canucks after being sent down to the minors last night just before the NHL's Christmas roster freeze took effect. Hoaglander did not play in that 5-1 loss to St. Louis last night. So far this season, three goals and six assists in 25 games, but at least he's getting to play for a team that knows how to win at home. Well, it's... You know, it's uh, uh, like Groundhog Day. Then put your hand in to the right side, Walker with room. In with a wrist shot, he scores! Then put your Dylan to Pionk, one-timer, and they score! At least in the movie Groundhog Day, there was a happy ending. We aren't sure the Canucks will get the same feel-good finish this season. I mean, we're giving up goals off the rush, we're turning the puck over in the O-zone. You, you know, you get, you get possession on certain plays, and... All of a sudden, you know, you got 30, 40 goal scorers coming down at you on odd man rushes. So, I mean, you don't really get any sustained those on time. And if we do, it's just perimeter. So, I mean, you know, I don't see a lot of uh, everyone going to the hard areas. That's that's why you don't win hockey games. When we make a mistake, it's a 10-bell mistake. Uh, we're doing stuff that, you know, if you're there every day, you know we practice this stuff every day and, and uh, get better at it every day. And then in the game, it's like uh, our mind goes a little off when we're trying to do it all by ourselves a little bit. While people like Christine Sinclair like to be home for the holidays, the Canucks should be as far away from Rogers Arena as possible. For whatever reason, the numerous issues this team has most of them defense and goaltending are magnified at home. When you play your home rank, obviously, you know, you're, 
you want to go out and try to win every game. I, I don't know if the expectation is to win every game, but at least you got to play the right way and compete for a full 60 minutes, and we beat ourselves most of the time. So, I mean, uh, turn the puck over. Um, you know, we, we don't defend near well enough. And while Bruce Boudreau isn't always Mr. Nice Guy to his players after such games, he still appears to be the most optimistic person on the planet about this team. As a coach, I've never had a losing season, so I just never think that we're going to lose. But i got to believe i got to make them think that they can win, or if they don't think they can win, then there's no chance of us ever winning. Vancouver Whitecaps have released their schedule for 2023. The season actually is not that far away. The home opener at BC Place is February 25th against Salt Lake. The Whitecaps are also involved in that CONCACAF Champions League, and they will start with a two-game series against Real España. The regular season will end on October 21st. The people who run the Masters Golf Tournament are not happy about the split between the players because of the Live Tour, but they will allow Live players to play in this year's Masters. There are six Masters winners on the Live Tour, like Phil Mickelson. The Masters will go from April 6th to the 9th, and all 16 Live players have met the criteria for the Masters Tournament of 2023. Now, you may not have seen this, but you may have seen it. Just the same, I'll show it to you again. Last night in the Rams-Packers game, on the Peyton and Eli Manning broadcast of Monday Night Football, a beloved children's character of the past was in the crowd at Lambeau Field, showing us a new way to imbibe. All right, welcome back to Lambeau. We got Gumby in the house, drinking a beer through his eye. Interesting, <laughs> never seen that technique. But, hey, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. The eye. <laughs> Dry eyes. He may have had an infection. Yeah. Perhaps he had some pink eye and he needed some alcohol to help it out. Our producer, Marsha, points out wisely, I hope he didn't have contacts because you don't want to mess with contact lenses. <laughs> That's true. That would not be good. Mm -hmm. All right, Gumby. thanks, Squire. Gumby's done some crazy things over the years. All right, up next, the dream of home ownership comes true in dramatic fashion for a family of new Canadians. All right, Jordan Armstrong is here with a look ahead to Global News at 11 tonight. Let me guess what you're going to leave with tonight, Jordan. <laughs> uh, do you want the good news or the bad news first? <laughs> well, the bad news, isn't it? <laughs> well, the bad news is at YVR. The good news is the ferries are running again. But yeah, another long night for thousands of would-be travelers at YVR, Sophie. The latest information is three or four flights have departed in the last 30 minutes. That's it, virtually all day. Dozens more remain canceled or delayed. The lineups are growing, and so is the frustration. We'll be at YVR all night trying to get some answers from the airlines and airport officials, and we'll have a full report at 11. Sophie? All right. Good luck to all those travelers. Thanks, Jordan. All right, we'll end it with some good news here. A Kelowna family is still shocked by an incredible stroke of luck winning the first-ever Lake Life Home Lottery. As Claudia Van Emmerich reports, they had just about given up on home ownership in the Okanagan when they received the early Christmas gift. I think they were expecting more like a scream or some sort of a reaction, but I just went silent at that time. It was December 15th when Anoka Babu received a life-changing call. We thought it's a prank. 
This was no prank. The Kelowna family had won the grand prize in the new Lake Life Lottery, a brand new $1.75 million home. It's, it's huge. It's, it's huge. It means the family of four will soon be exchanging their two-bedroom rental apartment where they also work from for this, a dream home in the prestigious Lakestone development in Lake Country. To be frank, on that night, we can't sleep. Uh, how, how much of a blessing we received on that day. The couple, both interior health workers in analytics and IT services, immigrated to Canada three years ago from United Arab Emirates. They've been struggling to buy a home here. We couldn't afford a place in Kelowna. So they put an offer down on a home in Prince George, their seven-year-old trying to manifest the purchase with prayers. He was praying every day, and he was praying like, oh God, please give my parents the money to buy that house. But they lost the home to a competing offer, news that was hard to break to their son. He just fell down on the ground and started crying. Ironically, or maybe not, it was the very next day when the family won the home. And how hard were you praying for a house? Um, 100%. The inaugural Lake Life Lottery is a partnership between the KGH Foundation and the Y of the Southern Interior. The proceeds will be split between the two organizations. And in the case of the KGH Foundation, the money will go right back into the local health care system. The health care is incredibly strained, so support makes a substantial difference right now. And it's across the board. It's at our hospitals, it's at our long-term care facilities, it's at Hospice House, Joanna's House. So the impact of this, not just locally but across the region, is really significant. And so is the win for the family, who cannot wait to move into their new home early in the new year. Whenever we can, the earliest we can. Claudia Van Amer, Global News, Kelowna. I think she might still be in shock. <laughs> I think so too. Well, <laughs> hey, the power of prayer. The power of prayer with a, with a little boy being so thankful. Mm -hmm. It's just a great story to end on. Uh, and yes, we have some weather reality that we need to acknowledge too, Christy. That's right. So the regular temperature tomorrow will likely warm up to only minus 10. For Metro Vancouver, that is exceptionally cold and we are expecting wind chills down to minus 20. Strong winds are going to develop through the Fraser Valley and especially across southern Metro Vancouver, out across the Strait of Georgia into areas like the southern Gulf Islands, Victoria. We could see some power outages, delays in the ferries. More so what I'm concerned about is the extreme cold though and reduced visibility on the roads because of all that blowing snow. Uh, especially Especially out the Highway 1 out through the Fraser Valley, expect that. All right, slow down out there, folks, and thanks very much for watching tonight. Have a good night. Good night, all.